Welcome back to the BAT Podcast. I'm Howard Swig, and I'm here today with Kevin Callahan, owner of Devon Sports Cars. Super excited to chat with Kevin today about the history of the Devon brand and what he's doing with it today. Kevin, welcome. Uh, welcome, Howard. Um, big fan of your podcast. I got to ask you a question up front. When it starts, there's three hits of a hammer. Is that supposed to be a, the gavel at an auction? I believe that's right. I believe that's right. You know, we, we, we uh, designed a little lead in there and uh, that's what that's supposed to be. Why is it always three? You know what? I, I wish I could tell you more. I, I wasn't okay. the guy that came up with it, but, uh, but hey, we're, we're always open to subjections. <laughs> Let's get going. All right, Howard. Uh, well, Devin has, uh, I, I think our community will be super interested in this conversation. Devin has a very, very cool and rich history. Um, I love it because it kind of, uh, starts in my favorite era of, of uh, really West Coast motorsports in the 50s and 60s. Uh, Bill Devin was, you know, one of the movers and shakers that was around then. Um, if I'm not mistaken, he got his start racing uh, Crosley Hotshot in the late 40s and early 50s, um, was kind of, uh, I think you would know more about this than me, uh, into the uh, slow momentum, uh, small displacement cars, which kind of uh, where he got his start. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of the origins of, of, of Devin and Bill Devin's career and, and how it all got started. Yeah, and you go back to his roots. His dad was a car guy. His dad had a small car dealership. And Bill Devin, through that time, he actually had three car dealerships, which he had bought and sold, and he was very big in the cars. And that actually gave him the finance, the resources to go racing. So, um, he was a race car driver at first. He was good, but he wasn't really that good. So it made sense that he started with the smaller cars. And um, that hot shot he ran, he actually won his first race and won a couple races in that. So that's where, and it's an important story and will come up. That's where the DNA of Devin comes from. Um, Bill Devin was a race car driver. He was a race car builder. And that's how those cars, these cars came about. I think a lot of people think of Devin and they think uh, specifically that they primarily were a builder of aftermarket fiberglass bodies that could be uh, customized and applied to a variety of, of chassis and, and cars of the day. Um, and, and that was true uh, at the beginning. Uh, I know you're, you guys are doing today um, a really interesting project, kind of reincarnating the Devin SS, which was kind of the, uh, uh, the top car uh, that they built. Um, I think before that, they started kind of more H-modified stuff, um, or maybe after. I know that the Devon C and Devon D uh, were kind of more affordable uh, versions that people could drive on the street and also take racing. Um, is that accurate, that they were primarily a, a fiberglass bodybuilder? Um, tell us about that and, and, and about the Devon SS uh, originally and, and kind of what you're doing with that today. Yeah, so we'll start out with that. Um... There's two Bill Devon stories, kind of. There is the Bill Devon who made fiberglass bodies that were used to fit onto uh, sports cars that got an off. Maybe you wrecked your MG or Triumph. You could put a fiberglass lightweight body on it. So that is one of the Bill Devon stories, how he made these fiberglass bodies. Um, those who follow Devon, they're called 295 bodies because they were able to be purchased for $295 dollars. And what you got for $295 is you got a body, doors, a hood, and a trunk, and you could add certain items if you wanted to. Um, they were first originally available in 12 different sizes, but they went on to 27 different sizes. So you could actually 
buy this Devon body and you could buy different size doors and different size, basically a couple front ends and you can make that space between the um, door jams larger, wider. You could spread the body away a little bit wider. So he was the first fiberglass guy who actually made a car body available for a lot of different size cars. And there was a time he was the leading manufacturer of fiberglass bodies um, in the world. So we go from that story where Bill Devin was making these fiberglass bodies to Bill Devin, the car manufacturer. Um, so that is a whole story. And we'll start with the Devin SS here. Um, the Devin SS came about because he wanted to go racing. He wanted to build his own car. And one day he got a letter from um, two guys in Northern Ireland, Nolan Hillis and Malcolm McGregor, that they had designed this sophisticated for the time sports car body. Uh, it was a frame chassis and they wanted a body for it well bill devon was so impressed by this uh, chassis design he flew to northern ireland and when he got there they took the car to an old abandoned race um, airfield they strapped a uh, milk crate onto the chassis and bill devon drove it around for a while and uh, right then he knew that this was something special and something he wanted to be a part of so he made a deal with the two irishmen that he would import these chassis to the United States. Bill Devon would then fit them with his body and also his engine. We haven't talked about that, but we all heard the Shelby story. In America, Detroit could provide engines and you could not get engines like we could here in the United States back in the late 50s and 60s. But in Detroit, they would sell you, Ford would sell you engines and Bill Devon partnered up with Corvette. So he had access to 283 engines that could be fitted into this chassis. So what he ended up with, with the Devon SS was a very sophisticated car for its time. We're talking four wheel independent suspension all around. Um, disc brakes on all four corners. He had an independent rear and a Dion tube in the back. Uh, they had the first version you would say of coil over shocks. Um, um, Nolan Hillis was a big motorcycle guy. So they had these big shocks in the back with coils and shock absorbers that allowed you to adjust. So he had a very sophisticated chassis, a lightweight body and a real good horsepower motor, which he could get up to over 350 horsepower if he wanted to. So that's the story about the Devon SS. Um, if you like, I can go on about the C's and D's, but I've done a lot of talking here. So. Sorry. And, you know, it's interesting. And, and you know, in the context of the period, there, there was a lot of that collaboration going on really, you know, all over the U.S. and Europe with uh, with chassis manufacturers and engine builders. I mean, you think of stuff like like Lister using Chevy and Corvette engines, uh, even stuff like Arnold Bristol's. Uh, obviously, the, the, the Cobra is, is a well-known uh, story there. So uh, what Bill Devin was doing was was really symptomatic of kind of uh, the, the innovation and and um, connections that, that racers primarily were making uh, all over the globe um, and combining their efforts to, uh, you know, build what they thought was, was the latest and greatest and, and a car that could ultimately win races. That's true. And, and the UK had, had ability to supply Gerland brakes, disc brakes. They had the ability for special shock absorbers. Um, that Lister you talked about shares a lot of common features with the Devon SS body and the fact that they were experimenting with inboard disc brakes, getting that unsprung weight from the wheels back inside. Um, all those things were happening in Europe and Bill Devon took advantage of it. And so did Shelby. 
by bringing in the AC Cobra. There's a lot on the Cobra that was not, you know, available here in the United States. So um, that way they were able to take the world and make a world-class sports car out of it. And, and, and on that note, tell us, I mean, they, 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 uh, they succeeded in doing just that and, and they raced the car uh, all over with real success. So tell us about some of the, uh, what would have been a, a competitor to the Devon SS in the late fifties and early sixties and a little bit about what they were able to achieve uh, on track. I'm going to back up a little bit with the story and I'll go back to that. But the Panhard was the first car that Bill Devon won a national championship with in 1956. He bought a Panhard dealership in about 54. And that's where he started making fiberglass bodies. He made his first fiberglass bodies. It, it was the wonder product of the um, late 50s. People didn't know about it. Corvette, we hear in 53, had the body. But um, so Bill Devin made this lightweight, very cool looking fiberglass body for the Panhard. And Jimmy Orr won a national championship with that in the under 1500 CC class in 1956. So that was the first taste Bill Devon had of building a national championship sports car. Um, the Devon SS, which we were talking about before, I'll jump on that again. You go back to Riverside in 1959 and the field would have bird cages in it. It would have Jaguars, Maseratis, uh, 450s, all the uh, 300s at that time, all the best race cars in the world were racing against Devons in that late fifties and onto the sixties. So it was definitely a world championship sports car. And we, we hope to continue to prove that as we go forward. And we have on, on bring a trader listed a couple uh, kind of SS bodied race cars, but, but uh, uh, more than a few uh, Devon C's Devon D's um, the, the later cars uh, often with uh, Volkswagen power, but, but it, in or around that period, there were uh, Triumph powered Devons. Um, if you could touch on uh, kind of the the other uh, Devon models that were around then, and, and that maybe uh, you're you're bringing back to life today, um, that'd be great. Yeah, a, a good comment there. You mentioned um, listeners at home. You're probably wondering what's a Devon look like. Well, it kind of looks like the SS. Looks like a Maserati 300, 450, or uh, DB1 Aston Martin, but go, go to the website. They do a great job of archiving all the cars that have gone through there and sold. Uh, you can get a feel for what they're worth and what they look like. And the photo galleries of these cars give you a great insight on how the interiors went together and everything else. So the cars that you know, I mentioned, the 295 bodies, they could be fitted onto um, various frames. Now, one of them in particular was a very cool car. It was over here in Pennsylvania. It was in Lancaster and a gentleman in California bought it. But that's what we call, and Bill Devon named them by letter. So it was a, a 295K body. And the K, if you look it up, stood for a certain wheelbase and length. But that was put on a Volkswagen pan, had a Volkswagen engine in it, and fall under the category of specials. Now, I'm going to talk about specials a little bit you'll see Devon's advertised as specials. So a guy could have bought a Devon body and put his own drivetrain in it, his own frame underneath it, his own motors. So they fall into a category of specials. And, and one of the more special specials was Ack Miller. Uh, he won Pat Pikes Peak six times in the late 50s and 60s in a Devon, what they call special. Now his car was fitted with a Ford motor. So there's a lot of specials out there who are very, uh, even though they weren't factory cars, they have a great racing provenance and uh, are very interesting to collectors. 
Um, so we have the Devon specials, we have the Devon SSs. Um, Devon SS sold for more than he thought. When he first went to market with the Devon SS, he thought he could sell for $5,600. The reality of it, it was closer to 10,000 he had to sell it to to make a profit. Realized this was probably too expensive for what he wanted to do, sell an American-made sports car. And that's when he came up with the Devon D. Now the Devon, the D stands for Dorchester, basically German. And Bill Devon had a source to actually buy Porsche motors. It turned out the industrial sales arm of Porsches was actually an avenue you could buy motors. And people would buy motors for farmers would buy them for irrigation pumps in the field. Um, amusement park guys would run them to run their amusement park. It makes sense. You have a little air-cooled motor over here turning a Ferris wheel. Bill Devon started buying these motors and putting them into these uh, Devon Ds. Lighter weight than the Speedster, very Speedster looking, and more successful than a lot of Speedsters. Uh, Porsche found out about this and said, no, no more. Cut off his access to buying uh, Porsche motors. Bill Devon's timing was pretty good because it's about 1961 and the Corvair came out. And the Corvair was a rear engine GM made motor. And then he switched his production to basically putting Corvair motors and they were called Devon C's or Devon Corvairs. So we had the SS, Devon D and Devon C. And at this time I have to mention that the Devon C could be fitted with a Volkswagen motor too. So the Devon D could have a Volkswagen motor. So we had Lots of different motor options for you. Lots of different cars and different price points. And, and these were um, originally conceived as dual purpose street and race cars. Did, did, did most people use them primarily on track or, uh, or what? Most of them were basically used for road and race. Bill Devon had a manufacturer license with uh, the state of California. So he could manufacture cars, put VINs on them and sell them. So, and you got to think back in the time you, you drove to the racetrack, you won your trophy, put it in the front seat and drove home. And that was the glory days of racing. And that's why I think you and I both love those times so much. Well, I actually didn't realize that Ack Miller uh, uh, had a history in Devons. You may get a kick out of the fact, Kevin, that I have my own Ack Miller connection in that uh, I have um, uh, the El Caballo de Hierro, the, the uh, La Carrera road race car that he yeah. ran. And uh. um a, a rather primitive kind of uh, junkyard racer type thing uh, on a Ford T body with uh, uh, with uh, American power and um, definitely an impressive car to have uh, to have raced in Mexico. I think he averaged 90 miles an hour over the course of uh, two or three days. Um, he was also interestingly one of the first people to use um, in car camera uh, back in the early 50s. Um, so I'm digressing, but uh, uh, you, you really got my antenna up uh, with, with the Miller reference. No, and, and those of you who are on Instagram, go to our Instagram or Facebook page. We actually have a um, video up of him making a run at, and, and at, at Pikes Peak. And, and you actually, you feel it in your stomach when he's drifting around some turns. Uh, and you know, like the other side of that turn isn't a guardrail or guide rail. It's a drop off. So, um, yeah, he liked to go fast. He actually ran one at the Bonneville Sawfots, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that, um, I mean, we, we could spend, we could spend, uh, another hour talking about, uh, going deep on, on Devin's history in the fifties and sixties. But, uh, I guess I'm curious to hear, you know, what, what then became of, of Devin, um, uh, in the seventies, eighties and nineties and, and, um, 
kind of kind of set up the uh, the how Devon came to be what it is today and, and where you came into the fold. Yeah, I'll start with in, in 1956, Bill Devon built two um, cars for the um, New York Auto Show. They're called Devon G GTs. They were hard top cars. He built one made the show. One almost got completed in time, but did not. Um, at that show, he got orders for like 300 of these cars. Um, at that time, he did not have the financial means to go into production to make these cars. So he kind of pulled back and, and they say he went out of business, but he kept all of his molds and jigs, um, which I have today and I'll get to in a moment. But he kept them for years until he passed away in 2000. Now, in 2000, there were four Devon enthusiasts out in California. And um, it was like Dick Judas, uh, Steve Young, Dr. Brickner um, mentioned their names because it should never be underestimated what these guys did to preserve the mark. They went to Bill Devon's widow and said, we'll buy, we'll take all this stuff. And it wasn't lost at that time. They put it in containers in 2000, brought it back to Glendale, California. And it basically sat in these containers until I purchased it in around 2018. Um, it just sat in these containers. Sure, guys went through and picked parts out they needed here and there, but um, so that's where I come into play. And I started collecting Devon, started getting to know people in the business, and uh, people reached out to me and back and forth. And then one day I got a call from a guy and he said, Hey, I, I had a rumor. I've heard one of the last owners of the Devon uh, sports cars has taken ill and he's uh, not doing well, and they're looking to sell the stuff. So I was like, wow, that's interesting. So for the next two years, I emailed the son of one of the owners back and forth. We'd email at Christmas time. We, we just got the reputation or rapport going back and forth. And then one day I said, I got an email and said, Hey, I think I'm ready to sell. So I was out of Barrett Jackson one year. I pushed on to California after Barrett and uh, got to look at all the stuff. We went through it. We agreed on a price. And then I arranged to fly out to California with my two sons. We loaded up our own containers and we shipped them back here to the east. And that's where I am today. So right now I have a facility over here in Will Grove, Pennsylvania, where we now have the patterns, the molds, the jigs. And when I mean patterns, I have these wood carvings of um, brake calipers, which I take out to the armist people. And they put them in sand and they cast them like they used to do in the old days. And uh, yeah, it's kind of really exciting. I'm still finding stuff every day. I don't even, I haven't, I didn't even know what it was. And, and, and so tell the audience, what exactly are you building in the shop? Are, are you building uh, full cars from scratch? What, what are they powered by? And, and kind of what, is, what does it look like um, to place an order for, for a Devon SS? Is, is that the only model you're offering? Uh, give us some insight into that. Well, at first I started, when I first started and the word got out, I, I had a lot of orders for like offenders or a hood here and there. People got off racings. Now they had a, they had an option. Now I can go back and my front end got smashed in a race. I can buy another front end. The car was thought to just sitting there. So at first I was really supporting a lot of the community out there. Uh, not to mention the people bought bodies and never completed their bills, but lost their hood, lost their doors, you know, because uh, they moved. So I've been doing a lot of support for the community, supplying parts and pieces to cars, allowing people to complete their build. Um, the last part you mentioned is we're looking right now and we're building two test and development vehicles. Uh, one's going to be 
shipped over to the UK here shortly where it's going to be run at Goodwood. And we're going to see how it, how it does and how it would do. Um, we're just not building a car here to look good. We're building a car in the spirit of Bill Devin. It's going to have a real DNA of racing. Um, we're going to have to have all the tricks in it. It's going to have to be set up right and really set up very durable to run Goodwood and hopefully be successful. So based on the success of these two cars we're building, we hope to make some continuation cars available to the public. And I get contacts all the time. How much does it cost? When can I get it? We're not quite there yet, but we should be there soon. Once we build these two cars, we'll know what it takes. So we can make the cars available to people uh, with an engine, without an engine. I think our plan right now and our proof of concept says like, maybe we'll give you a rolling chassis you put in your own drivetrain. Maybe you want to be period correct. Maybe you want a later model uh, Chevy motor for more reliability. Um, that seems where people differ, but the styling, the idea, the DNA of the car is all there. And I think that's what people want. You know, there has been this whole, I would say this whole continuation car movement, which you touched on, um, which has in many cases been really embraced by, by OEMs and manufacturers. Um, you think of, uh, you know, the Aston Martin continuation series, Jaguar is doing a bit with it. Um, and, and obviously stuff with, uh, you know, Shelby American and, and the Cobras and, and the CSX uh, continuation cars. Um, has that been an inspiration for you? Is that, what, what are your, um, I think we'd love to, I don't think I've asked you, I'd love to hear about kind of your uh, passion for cars and what speaks to you, um, Devin, obviously, but, um, you know, what, what was on your uh, wall as a kid and, and uh, what did you lust after and, and, and drive uh, way back when? And it's funny, just talking to somebody from work here, and I'm like, Paul, I don't know why, I just love the lines of this car. It just looks great to me. He goes, you grew up watching Speed Racer. What do you, what do you think you're going to like? And he's right. I grew up, those were the cars I saw in magazines, these 59s, these, you know, these 60 cars, you know, they, they were the ones I lusted after and saw. So that's where I think it came from. I've always been kind of a motorhead. I was the kind of guy who would take apart mom's car in the driveway and she'd come out to go to the groceries and I'd have the valve covers off or something, you know? So um, always worked and wrenched on my own cars. I, I think like many of your listeners, everybody dreamed of having their own car company or we all drew cars on a piece of paper and said, this is what I'm going to design. Well, this is almost... In my later years in life, I have a very successful company I run now that allows me the means to do this on the side. Um, yeah, I get to live out some of my childhood dreams in putting together and designing a car. Um, sure, I'm, I, I like to see what Aston Martin's doing uh, with their continuation car. Jaguar has one. But there's a lot of private guy, Bizzarini, the Rad, um, the, um, yeah, Bizzarini is one that comes to mind. There's a couple of guys who are doing it. But what's really exciting about Devin is we are actually working with the original frame table. We're working with the original molds, the original patterns. There's going to be a DNA in this car that's not, hey, I looked at a drawing, I looked at a coffee table book, and I'm designing it now, you know. This is the real components that are going into this car that were put in the 50s. So I think that's kind of exciting for people who want to build something that's that's authentic. It's not something that's a copy of something. These are going to be authentic parts and being used in authentic cars. That's super impressive. You mentioned you're going to, you're going to bring one to Goodwood and run it. Uh, uh, tell us about that. Is, is that a car that's currently in production that you're scrambling to get ready for 
um, for the fall? And, and, and what uh, is that, that? That's not the tourist trophy race. Is that the Lavent Cup? What, uh, what class is that going to slot into? Um, well, the class is called the Lister class, and you mentioned Lister. And I don't know the official name of it, but Lister always wins the class, so they call it the Lister class. Um, so a little bit about the car. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show that they were manufactured frames in Ireland. Um, these guys, Nolan Hillis and Malcolm McGregor, built these frames. Well, there's two, there are 20 frames built. And there's a gentleman in England who has frame 19. I have frame 20 that were never bodied with cars. So he has frame 19, I have frame 20. So I'm providing the body, the rear end, a lot of the parts and components to complete frame 19. Um, so it's going to be sitting on an original Malcolm McGregor, Nolan Hillis chassis, and it'll have an original uh, recreated Devon body on it. So I'll have a lot of components. So these are the two cars we're building right now. So their authenticity is in that chassis and in the body and everything. So I'd be curious to know, you, you mentioned Bill Devon passed away 20 odd years ago. And at the time, there was a number of, of original parts and a whole inventory of, of, of Devon related uh, bodies and, and other uh, other such things that were transferred to the the, the new owners that, that acquired Devon and, and all the property. Um, presumably that was kind of a, a fixed supply of uh, of original parts and, and, and other items. Um, is that is that inventory still uh, available? Is, uh, I imagine a number of, of that stuff has been used to build uh, cars or you mentioned owners and racers are, are have been needing parts and and all sorts of stuff. Uh, you mentioned the cars you're building uh, do have some original components and also some newly manufactured ones. So give us a sense of uh, kind of talking about originality and, and that uh, on that subject to what uh, what you're working with. Yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, I, I, I still look back on it. It's almost like um, Bill had probably one of everything. And he, he if I think he when he got down the inventory where he had one, he had some made. So it's, it's very interesting to me that if it's something like a body or a hood, I have one of the originals. So if I go to remanufacture it, I can see how many layers of mat were put down, how we trimmed it, how we made it. Um, so yeah, some of the original parts I try to keep and not put out there, but I keep them to my, in my own inventory so I can use them as a pattern. Um, so a lot of the parts I have, we had a lot of brake calipers, but I still go get them cast. Uh, he made his own manifold, so I had them cast. I'm very lucky being here in Pennsylvania. I seem to have a very good ability to have things made. The Amish will still do sand castings where they pour aluminum into sand molds and, and take them out. It's, it's crazy when I go down there and uh, the guys just take my stuff, don't ask for any money or anything, and call me like four months later and said they're ready, and I go down and pick them up. So um, to answer your question, I'm remanufacturing a lot of parts, but I do have some original parts, but they're re being remanufactured off the original patterns and they're almost undetectable from an original one that I might've received uh, when I purchased everything. Yeah, very interesting. And, and you um, have been very active in a number of, of Devon listings we've had on BAT over the years. And I understand that you um, also provide some, some uh, authentication expertise uh, Tell us, which I've seen on, on a number of listings uh, that we've had. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, there have been several people coming up and wanting to sell their car so um, I can get involved. There's another gentleman who lives right by me, Craig Jones. He's another expert in the uh, Devon community. Either Craig and I can look at that and provide a letter. Now, a couple of those letters have even found their way into your photo gallery on Bring a Trailer. 
And I think that'll give the the customers, the end user, the person bidding on it, a little comfort level that somebody's looked at this. It's not a knockoff copy. This is an original Devon special 295 C or D and um, it's up for sale. But yeah, we're more than willing to do that for the Devon community. And uh, uh, hopefully people bidding on the cars have a better comfort level because uh, they are unique. Let's put it that way. So as we wrap up here, I think uh, I'd love to know for, for people that are interested in, in learning more, um, if, if I want to buy one of your Devon SSs today, uh, what, what's the process for that? Uh, do you have orders? Uh, you mentioned the two prototypes that, that are currently in production. Um, what does kind of the future plan look like for, for Devon sports cars? Well, right now, um, like I said, we're building these test and development um, cars. We have made a couple bodies available to the right people who are in the spirit of what we want to do, continuing this uh, build to work with us to um, hopefully sort out these things. I don't want to sell something I can't support. If the thing needs doors on it, I want to make sure I know how the door hinges work and it all goes together. Um, I think customer support, whether it's my other business or this business, is very important. So we're sorting everything out, and that's probably a good word, how the hood went on, how the hood hinges work. Um, an average car has 10,000 pieces into it, according to Jay Leno. Uh, Bill Devins didn't, but I'll tell you, his at least 5,000 individual little pieces that have to be sorted out, materialists put together. So we're still in the process of trying to put all this together. And we have taken on some channel partners, some other builders who are building a car and, and they go at this eyes wide open. They provide us with a lot of feedback back, how these parts are fitting, how it's going together. So um, generally um, you can't call me up. I'll give you a price right away, but if somebody wants to work with us as a channel partner and help sort this out by building their own build, uh, we'll bring them on board. It's very exciting. Fantastic. Well, I think uh, everyone would agree. It's great to know there are there are people like you out there who are who are uh, so passionate about this stuff that you're taking up the mantle on on something like resurrecting a a, a, a tried and true uh, racing car heritage brand. So. Uh, I think that's pretty neat. It's a it's a small group that uh, is taking it as far as you do, but um, I think I'm super excited to uh, to see what what you make of of Devin going forward. Thank you. Um, if our if your listeners want to find us, we're available on Devin Sports Cars LLC is our Facebook, uh, Instagram, and actually website. So that's a good place to find us. I encourage your listeners to go and. And look at our Instagram, especially. We're putting stuff up, content all the time as we build more things, as we work through things. We have a YouTube channel, which uh, we have how to put on a door, how to put the headlights into the car. As we're building a library of build videos that will go hand in hand once the cars are available. Fantastic. There you have it. Uh, Kevin Callahan, uh, we'll wrap it there. We'll be sure to link to uh, uh, to the Devon website, and, and you can find Kevin uh, in the comments section of, of future Devon listings uh, on BAT, and, and he's, he's very active. Great. Thanks for having me on today, Howard, and uh, look forward to hearing the podcast and uh, listen to your other podcasts. <laughs>